welcome to a new episode of the Startup Diaries podcast brought to you by Bern Sheen, a leading technology recruitment business in London and Manchester. In this episode, we have Lottie White, who's the co-founder and CEO of Myomaster. Myomaster is a sports tech company created by athletes and is the only recovery brand in the world in which every single product created is rigorously tested by the community of athletes and physiotherapists. In this episode, Lottie talks us through the story behind Myomaster and how she envisions the industry to involve and how Maya Master will stay ahead of the competition. She also talks us through how she's personally scaled herself as a leader and a first-time founder, and how she's gone from being a non-technical founder to scaling an e-commerce business. And then finally, she shares how and why she's intentionally kept her team incredibly lean and talks us through the impact of having just received investment from Google Black Founders Fund. We think it's a good episode. Hope you enjoy it. Welcome, Lottie. Thanks for joining us. Do you want to start off by telling us a bit about yourself and the story behind Maya Master? Sure. So um, with Maya Master, we're ultimately building the brand to to help you optimize your physical health. And what we really mean by that is that we're actually in a kind of epidemic globally and that two billion people are suffering with major muscle and joint issues. It's one of the biggest things putting pressure on the NHS. And we really want to solve that problem. So we have created a range of physical products and we're now building software to make the recovery from that super simple and super accessible. So that's what we do at Maya Master. We're about two years in, we scaled fairly rapidly without institutional funding. And you know, we, we really want to build a brand that, that changes the way people feel. And okay. uh, in terms of my background, um, I started off working in consultancies and uh, advertising and PR agencies oh. and was on the board of MNC Saatchi um, and then other agencies. So my background is very much kind of consultancy, commercial, and also really helping other brands to think about how they stand out in crowded spaces and attract customers. Perfect. One of the things we were putting this together was that you actually mentioned that injury is the second biggest pressure on the NHS, yeah. which I didn't realize, which is pretty crazy. Yeah. And there's a lot of time pressures yeah. on that at the moment. So with the scale of the problem that you're aiming to solve being I guess, so vast, how do you envision that the, the industry will evolve and how do you aim to stay ahead of the competition? Yeah, it's a really, incredible question and it's one that we're really thinking about all the time internally because you know we started this business at our kitchen table because we just had a problem that we wanted to solve and I think when you start a business like that you can build to a certain scale but then it requires you to take a step back and think okay we got from zero to one with our sort of back of the you know fag packet <laughs> idea yeah. but like if we really want to build a global business like what does that really look like and you really have to take a step back and be like exactly you said how do we differentiate how do we create something that is genuinely unique um and i think you know and my advice always is to anyone starting out is like don't try and solve the world when you're going from zero to one. No. Actually, like go from zero to one, figure out lots of things, you know, learn how to generate some revenue, understand your customer a bit better, all of those things. We've kind of done that journey now, and now we're looking to go from kind of one to three, one to four. So um, we're really thinking about like what what does our customer really want and we're lucky that we've got 25,000 customers today and they're pretty engaged yeah. and we can talk to them and we can mine what they really need and what they feel is the gap in the space so um, I think by building a, a loyal and engaged customer base and then really listening to them yeah what do you foresee as the vision for the business then what do you want to when it comes to particularly things like the NHS and taking the pressure off is there things like that in the company's mindset or is it very much about the getting to zero to one to two to three at the moment yeah no we definitely have a long-term vision for the business which is 
ultimately to build you know the go-to brand for optimizing your physical health and for me that means like how do we make doing that exciting and inspiring because what we hear a lot from you know our customers and people that we're out on the road talking to is like I know I should be doing stuff but it's boring I don't know how I'm not sure I've got a hip pain Mm -hmm. but like what do I do Mm -hmm. so for me it's like how do we motivate people to do it how do we make it exciting and engaging and inspiring to do that stuff rather than like oh god like I've got to go and sit on a yoga mat and do stretches for 15 minutes I don't want to do it Um, or I'm not a yogi so why would I do that it's like how do we create something and I think a a brand that we really look up to is Calm Mm -hmm. You know, they've done that in the mental health space. They've made it really accessible. They've made it enjoyable to yeah. meditate or to take 15 minutes out of your day. And that's what we want to do with your with your physical health. Yeah. Well, I, just, well, I used to be a yogi until I had my daughter <laughs> and I stopped doing it. But I need to get back to it. I was doing it for six years solid. And it's really? Like, yeah. Prevented me from injuries. Like, yeah. I used to get lows playing football and it made a massive difference. Exactly. So, yeah. All right. If anyone's listening, do yoga. But there we go. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, you named some great brands that you were working with and working for being on the board as well uh, in the past. So you've been part of scaling businesses, but this is the first time as a founder of them, mm, right? Yeah. So how have you had to scale yourself up as a leader and what challenges have you had to come? All, all of them. <laughs> like, really, I hadn't anticipated how far out of my comfort zone I would be. And I... I've sort of pride myself in my life in terms of like pushing myself out of my comfort zone. It's what I like to do and it's how I want to live and I'm quite intentional about that. But um, this was a bigger leap than I anticipated. I think entrepreneurship is quite glamorized and people make it look quite sexy and um, it's so difficult. I became a mum at the same time as I started this business. Mm -hmm. So I have a direct comparison and I would easily say that starting this business is harder than becoming a parent. Right. for a straight fact right, okay. if I ask and if anyone's like yeah I'm going to start a business I'm like good luck just good luck <laughs> but in terms of like self-development you know I think there's a really big difference between leading teams um, in somebody else's organisation mm. um, than ultimately the way I see great leadership is you set the tone every single day and that's a lot of pressure and it's very hard to turn up and be excellent all of the time um, so I think that's been the biggest challenge of all yeah is there anything that you've done to, to try and overcome that in particular? Like, is there any sort of training that you can do on that sort of thing and being on it and being supportive and being there? Yeah, I think there's lots of things you can read. Um, uh, my favourite book about leadership is called Relentless by Tim Gover. And it's actually, he trained like Kobe Bryant and oh, Michael okay. Jordan and um, these incredible athletes. But really, like, there's a lot of similarities between being you know an elite athlete I'm married to one so I know and um a uh an entrepreneur like at least like a if you want to take your business beyond a lifestyle business I think because it's so demanding it does require a kind of intensity of focus Mm -hmm. I think for me the biggest learning has been um about just being super intentional with my time and being really clear about where I want to take this business which is you know to be a global brand so I have to be accepting of what that's going to require and the sacrifices that that is going to require see I'll, I'll definitely read that book that you've referenced. It's amazing. I just assumed they had it as like an ingrained, like just natural thing, which I'm sure there's a large part of that. But I mean, Kobe Bryant in particular was renowned for just, you turned, you thought you were going to beat him and he'd be in an hour earlier anyway, or he was just always training, working out, trying to be the better person. So is there anything out of that that kind of you can take out of the book that you could take away as Hundreds well? Hundreds of things. Yeah. I think, like, you know, how many people really build a sustainable global brand? 
like less actually I read a stat the other day that it was less than the amount of elite athletes in the world so wow. it's actually harder to do that than to be an athlete at the top of your game and when you look at it in that perspective yeah. you're like that's how tough it is so um, it's really interesting actually reading recently that some of the VCs bigger VCs now are implementing really cohesive high performance programs for their portfolio right. founders that include you know intense coaching intense e exercise programs mm -hmm. meditation retreats uh -huh. because ultimately like it takes a lot to really build that um in the same way it takes intense focus to be an athlete so I think yeah. there's a lot of parallels between the two things excellent well look one of the things that's quite interesting is obviously you're, you're building an e-commerce website so you're building a tech product really yeah. and you're non-technical yourself so how did you go about starting that e-commerce business how did you go right one day I'm going to do it with a great deal of naivety <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, and actually we're building software now right. so uh, we're building an app so that's requiring me to um, to learn even far the, the learning curve is super steep mm -hmm. I think um, you know the the best way to do any of these things is like jump into it feet first with all your naivety and make a load of mistakes mm -hmm. and actually one of the things I wish I'd done was got more comfortable with failure I was very uncomfortable with failure um, I still am to an extent but much less so and what I've learned through this process is that you failing f like 50 times a month is just an essential part of the process and right. you really should just embrace it and you should be grateful that you failed that many times because it really does mean that you're just constantly inching closer to the, to the solution. Yeah. And now I look back on the two years, I'm like the things that felt devastating at the time or I can't believe we did are the things that are making us successful now. So yeah, yeah. yeah I think embracing failure and also surrounding yourself with people who've done it. And the other thing I say is that you know there's no excuses now because the internet has every single resource you could ever possibly want yeah. uh, if you're building ecom there's a guy called nick sharma who is just the goat of ecom and there's not a single thing you can't learn about how to build a successful ecom website through you know that he shares all of that info so like yeah get mentors even people that you've never met right <laughs> okay is there, is there any other things that you've kind of what actually what would be one of the key failings then that you've had that you really sticks out out of interest in that journey where you gave some you gave something a go and it didn't work out but you thought ah right next time this is what we do yeah two key things kind of stand out in my uh mind first one around hiring was hiring two senior people too fast right. before we really understood exactly what we were trying to do or uh you know what was going to power our growth i think you need to take time to understand your business before you know who the right fit is yeah. and you really invest in senior people um and the second thing is probably around trying to be too broad. Like we talked about the zero to one thing. I think a big part of that is, you know, unless you're gonna go and, and raise 50 million quid out the gate, which, you know, the majority of founders don't do, um, find product market fit within a niche. It's much easier to do that. And it's much easier to gather momentum if you pick a specific community or audience to target. Well, I think it's, the next question I was gonna ask is about how you've got obviously running things with a really lean team. So it's obviously, yeah relevant to the fact that you made some hires probably didn't work out it was too early so yeah. how are you can you talk us through why then you've decided to build your team in quite a lean manner and keep things sort of small for the interim yeah so one of the things i learned watching the other really successful e-com brands like the really successful ones was that they were all incredibly lean mm -hmm. and actually the um, hiring process that we now follow when we have a gap in the team is um, right, can we fill this role with a freelancer? Okay, no. Can we fill this role with an agency? Uh, 
maybe not and only when we've gone through those two steps do we yeah. go okay let's hire someone full-time and the reason for that is it's really a long process to get someone right it takes a lot of time um, it's very expensive like when you're really close to your PL and you're looking at you know the difference between having an agency that you can maybe ramp up and ramp down versus yeah. having a fixed cost of an employee and all the things associated with that um, it's a real drain on cash and it's also incredibly risky like hire an agency it doesn't work out fine you know it's very easy to move on or a freelancer but it's not the same with an employee and it's also very damaging internally so some of the biggest brands i mean an example i heard the other day was kylie jenner's lip brand which i think is doing like close to a you know it was certainly valued over a billion dollars their mm. team their in-house team is nine people Wow. Okay. Yeah. And uh, there's another brand, a clothing brand, the fastest growing econ brand in the US right now. They're doing like close to $200 million of revenue a year and they have 15 people. And I think sometimes like we have this external metric like, oh my God, how many team members have you got? As if we should be like celebrating that we built this yeah. team of 50 people. I'm like, that doesn't impress me. Like what's your revenue per head? Let's talk about that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, I think I think it's just been a kind of glamorized metric, which is unnecessary. Yeah. No, that's really interesting. I didn't realize that they were running in such a crazy rate with such few people so yeah. that's yeah fair play like if anyone's running an e-commerce business definitely take note of that then. Yeah. <laughs> um one of the i guess great moments for you recently is that you've just been invested in from google's black founder fund yeah um so can you tell us about the impact that's got that they've that's had on the, the business the vision of the company and what yeah what benefits you're getting i guess from google without me having to make any predictions i'm sure it's from pretty big ones but yeah <laughs> it's huge that was a really kind of pivotal moment for us and I think aside from the fact that it's Google which just immediately lends a huge amount of credibility to your brand and to your idea um, the biggest thing for us has been that you know building uh, and scaling a company can be quite isolating and um, it's kind of immediately given me access to uh, there's seven companies in the UK that they've invested in mm-hmm. And um, it's given me access to six other founders yeah. who are almost on exactly the same journey as I am at exactly the same time, um, suffering and experiencing exactly the same problems as I am. So, I mean, we're meeting for dinner on Saturday. Next weekend, we're meeting up again because I think it's very difficult to um, relate to people who, if you're building. You know, back to the athlete analogy, it's like you kind of want to be surrounded by other people who are as immersed in the thing as you are. It's a bit like when you become a parent, you kind of want to hang out with other parents because it's like you can kind of talk, you know, you can relate to each other. So that's been huge. And then, um, you know, as I said, we're building something that, you know, has never been built before in the way that we plan to build it. So having access to the team at Google who really are total trailblazers um, and have deep expertise is Mm -hmm. really valuable for us. So so, what sort of people do you get? to have support from inside Google themselves? What, yeah. what sort of support do you get there? So they run the program in a really smart and effective way. Mm-hmm. You, They essentially, they're very committed to OKRs, as I'm sure you know, it's a big Google thing. Yeah. Um, and they essentially encourage you to set your OKRs for the program. So, okay. you know, our, one of ours is about revenue and sales and the other one is about us building on the mvp of our software and so they take those okrs and they go who are the people in our entire organization that we really think can add value to these two goals or help unlock this next stage of growth or hit these okrs so for us like we're getting you know sort of deep into the technical of building our app so we're unlocking the engineering team for instance which is super oh wow well that's amazing right fair play Uh, (laughs) how how did you come across this this fund then how did it come about was it something that you identified did they approach you how is it kind no, of no actually um i 
we kind of have been observing there aren't that many um, black founders b- building kind of really scalable businesses in the UK there's a lot of there's actually a lot of um, black founders but uh, a lot of them are running like smaller size businesses um, not necessarily scale ups mm-hmm. so I kind of know who the handful of people that are doing that are yeah. I'm watching um, a couple of them they went for it last year mm-hmm. and I sort of convinced myself not to do it last year because I just thought our business wasn't techie enough and we weren't going to get through right. and one of the people who, who were on it last year Anna Samuels who runs a fit tech company called Box um, just reached out to me and said I think you should apply and yeah. I was like I'm going to do it I haven't it's just not, I'm not going to get it I don't want to be disappointed um, which is stupid um, don't be like that um, and uh, I applied and I literally submitted my application at 11.59 and the deadline was 12 that's how like unprepared I was and how little I thought I was going to get it so to get through was was wicked yeah so obviously we were actually speaking I think with two two others from the Gone the Fund about coming on the podcast as well but is it very London centric or are they spread out across the UK because I, I support the North West so I was wondering making sure I haven't missed anyone up there really um, well they take 40 founders on the cohort but they're right. from uh, the UK, Europe and Africa. So mm-hmm. there's actually only seven of us right. um, in the UK and I'm not sure they'll be happy that I'm saying this but I think we're all based in London. That's so there's not that much it. regional <laughs> diversity sadly. Yeah. No, that's fair. That's, really, that's a shame. Otherwise, I was thought missing someone in the Northwest yeah. that I want to celebrate as well. But I mean, uh, just with regards to sort of promoting the product as well, with this, if they go into website, who are you targeting? Is it people who are sort of not just athletes, take it, it's not just athletes, it's people who are still doing sport, active. Is it very much you should be looking at it as a preventative before getting the pain and looking at products, or is it very much for dulling the pain and preventing the pains and injuries as you sort of go through and get, you know, get fouled playing football and it causes an injury? What, 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 who are you targeting with your products? Yeah, so our core customer right now is 30 to 55 year olds. Um, who I would say train like three or more times a week. So they're relatively into training. Um, a lot of runners, a lot of kind of CrossFit and functional fitness athletes, mm-hmm. a lot of triathletes. Um, and they t- use it for both. They u- There are products in the range that are very much preventative. They're about optimizing your physical performance, taking care of yourself so you don't get injured. Um, and also so you get the most out of your body and achieve your fitness goals. But we also have some incredible products for healing injuries. So right. a lot of people who come to us, they've got plantar fasciitis or Achilles tendonitis, or they've got hip issues, ITB issues, all of those things um, and so really it's about like how do we heal you and then how do we optimize your body ultimately so you don't get injured again right interesting because all I do I go for a, I run a lot and all mm-hmm. I do is just go on a foam roller afterwards, yeah. which I think is pretty good and I used to do yoga but. Mm-hmm. but I would say that probably because you've got this history of yoga you've probably built up like quite good core strength mm-hmm. and a lot of the reason that for instance runners get injured is because when you're a runner and you love running what you do is run and you yeah. tend to which is very like impactful yeah, yeah. Uh, exercise and, and you tend to neglect sort of building up the muscles that ultimately uh, and core strength that ultimately will prevent the damage from doing the hardcore right, thing okay. so I mean runners are really interesting I think you're probably like sort of getting away with it because you built up a good base but yeah, I, <laughs> I better get back to it though. yeah <laughs> that's fair um look, last two questions we always ask what's the biggest challenge been in your career to date um oh, what a big question yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> um the biggest challenge has been overcoming self-doubt yeah. for sure yeah right. and how have you done that at work in progress, work in progress. um <laughs> but i think like 
I'm a big one for um, surrounding yourself with other like super ambitious people or people who've already done it. Mm. Um, and also taking time, if you know that's your thing, um, and it really is an Achilles heel for me, taking time to actively overcome that in the same way like I train because I want to achieve X, like mm. literally focusing on your mental ability to stop doubting yourself and really like, you know, listening. I listen to this guy in the morning when I train who literally excuse the French is like bleep you can bleep and do it like, you can do anything and I'm like yes I can yes I can you know and little things like that that really like fire you up yeah, um, yeah. yeah. you obviously referenced the book was there any other books that you'd reference as well as not necessarily about overcoming that challenge but that you found quite powerful for you as a, as a founder uh, Good to Great by Jim Collins it's just a classic yeah. and great and I revisit that one uh, Shoe Dog uh, by Phil Knight was so I've read it five times it's so powerful I just think um, you know what we see when you're building a business is and I do it too is you put out all of the incredible things that are happening and yeah. it looks like everybody got from zero to a hundred in like three years and you're like why am I not doing that and you read the story of arguably the greatest brand in the world and you realize he quit his job four times to go back to being an accountant so he could prop up the business you know they didn't even become Nike 10 it was like 10 years deep into mm. the journey and it's just like this true story of what it actually takes to build uh, you know an incredible brand mm. and I think that's like vital reading for anyone building a business yeah I'll be honest with you I got halfway through that book what uh, I'm like it's amazing uh, yeah anyway you're uh, not yeah. building a sports business so maybe it resonates a bit less with you <laughs> I think I don't know where I, yeah I normally have about three books on the go at one time and some of them kind of get dropped at yeah. the wayside and I shouldn't do that I should finish them <laughs> I really should and I, I, I did intend I urge you to, to go it. back to it yeah. it's just yeah yeah um, but yeah, okay, that's embarrassing. Um, so, that, um, so a final question then. Um, what one piece of advice would you give to someone who's looking to start their own company tomorrow? Yes, I would say um, like get out and start, but in an incredibly lean way. Uh, don't like obsess over raising loads of money and spending it all because you don't just don't realize how naive you are. Unless you've literally done it before in somebody else's business and you you're copying the same playbook mm. um i actually was had lunch with someone before this who was at another uh, like fast growth fitness company she was just listing off all of the things that they got wrong and i was like it's my list yeah. it's the same as my list yeah. and i'm and i actually the things that everybody does is you tr you know you try to go really fast really quickly and i think there's a thing about kind of going slow to go fast like go a bit slower at the beginning but start um, but do it leanly and learn and then once you understand you can scale quickly awesome well, that's a good point to wrap up Lottie thanks for joining us hopefully you enjoyed it yeah thanks so much for having me